Hi, welcome to the Weekend Sober. This is Kim, and I am here alone. I'm without Catherine, and um, this week we're doing something a little different. I actually have a guest here with me. Um, I have my husband, Evan, and uh, we're going to do a little interview. So uh, here we go. Evan, you want to say hi? Hi, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so last week we talked about um, when our, Catherine and I talked about our at the end our drinking habits and red flags for us, and when we started to realize, um, you know, when we needed to stop and. <laughs> <laughs> You can't look at me with a straight face. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, so I want to hear. So the people want to hear from me. <laughs> you can't do this one on one. No, I can't. <laughs> so, you, Catherine probably needs to interview me. Yeah, probably. But I'm gonna just ask you questions, and you're gonna we're gonna do the best we can here. Let's go. Okay. So um, obviously there were red flags and. I we know our story, but the people don't know our story. So we need to give them your perspective. Um, you were really supportive. You know that day I stopped drinking. We can sort of back up a little bit. Um, I'm curious to hear from you. You know what you were thinking that day. So that morning I woke up and I said to you, you know, I want to stop drinking. I need your help. What were you thinking? <laughs> we're just going to have this conversation on the podcast. Huh? Yeah. Um, that's funny because we haven't really talked about this. Uh, I mean, I think you know what I was thinking. You wrote about it and you were pretty correct that I was, I was relieved. I mean, um, you know, you've written a lot about this stuff. You know, we had had conversations in the past, although every time we've talked in the past and I had sort of come to you and you know, as you say, asked you to rein it in or like get your shit together, usually because something would happen. And it was really in the past few years as our kids have gotten older, really just Braden, our oldest, because um, he, I felt like he was in tune and starting to see what was going on and connecting the dots. And, you know, 10 years ago, like we did stupid stuff, but, you know, whatever, we were sort of young and immature, but now we had a child that was old enough to see what was going on. And so it sort of resonated with me more. Um, but in, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what I was thinking when we had conversations in the past, it never once actually crossed my mind. Like you need to stop drinking, cut it off and start a life of sobriety. Like sobriety never entered my mind ever. Cause I think you and I didn't know of a life of sobriety and like, as bad as I feel saying it, like if we knew somebody that didn't drink, we'd be like, Oh 
person yeah. doesn't drink, I don't, I don't trust somebody that yeah. doesn't drink. Yeah, we always right? just say that. We don't. Yeah, I don't trust somebody that doesn't uh, drink. Yeah, right? <laughs> Which, I don't trust them if they don't drink. Right? Either. Like, and now thinking back, like it's such a stupid thing to say because you have no idea thing to say. what that yeah. person was going through. But I never once, like of all the times um, I talked to you or like sat you down the next day, sobriety was never in my mind. It was no. just like to have like one or two drinks and slow down. But that's what's so interesting is because you used to say to me, just have one or two drinks. And that was not a possibility for me. And you up until recently never realized that I couldn't just have one drink. Totally. And which is really fascinating to me and leads me kind of into another question. Like, should I answer that first question? Or oh, wait, sorry. Question? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll come back <laughs> to that. Go, go, go. Answer the question. Um, no, but when you asked me, like, you know, when you woke me up in the middle of the night and said, I want to stop drinking, we help me, and you were crying, like, of course, what am I, like, well, yeah. I mean, of course I'm going to say yes, and, but I didn't even really know what that entailed, other than, like, I'm so proud of you for asking for help, because, you know, I, I don't want to say I gave up on you, but I stopped asking you to change, because I felt like I got to a point where nothing was going to happen, um, nothing sustainable if it was me asking you to do yeah, it. Yeah, you knew that you couldn't ask. You just ask. resented me yeah. for asking yeah. you to do and things. It, it was creating a rift between us, and our relationship was starting to suffer, I feel like, you know. Because we just weren't communicating Yeah, we weren't communicating. Well. Um, and, yeah. But, yeah, once you got to the point that you were coming to me, that was the first time you ever once acknowledged it to me. And, like, I mean, I personally feel like I tried to make it easy for you in the past because, you know, I would always tell you, like, look, you have alcoholism in your family. Like, it's not your fault. Like, you know, it's okay if you have this thing you can't control. Like, let's talk about it. And, you know, it would basically just create a wall between us because you didn't want to go there. Um, and so when you finally came to me and said, we helped me, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Absolutely. But I also <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. Like, I had no idea that... Like you were going to dive headfirst into sobriety and we're on a podcast right now and you're <laughs> writing. I mean, it's awesome, but I had no idea what the world looked like going forward. It's just like, I'm here for you. I'm here to support you, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't do things half-heartedly. I go all, I go all in, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. Um, he's referring to the fact that I started blogging and writing and, um, right away, I really invested everything I had into my sobriety. I, you see your podcasters, listeners, whoever yeah. is out there, if there's like three people or a hundred, <laughs> I have no idea. But, um, I mean, I obviously listen to your podcast. And you, you, it, like to this point, I feel like it's kind of surfacey. Like you don't in your writing, you're just so raw and vulnerable, and like really put yourself out there. And you know, it's only been a couple episodes, so I'm sure it'll get there. But you haven't done that as much in the podcast. So these okay, well, we're doing it now. Okay, deal. <laughs> um, so in the, well, I'm just gonna say something now. You just broke my train of thought. Um. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, um, you know, when it first started, like, I mean, there was a lot of things that were hard for me, but in particular that, like, you, I mean, obviously you didn't go to, like, AA or anything like that, but you really had to, like, carve out time for yourself yeah. well, every single day yeah. consistently. And, like, 
I've always had a very demanding job where, you know, pre-pandemic, I would leave the house early in the morning and come home relatively late at night. And you were the caregiver and, you know, the primary parent most of the time. Um, and all of a sudden it's like sobriety became like a full-time job in a sense. It's like mm -hmm. mommy needs to go on her own and go for a walk and go listen to this and go participate in this meeting. And, and I had like calls with therapists and go, and I prioritized my, my, um, zoom meetings with the support groups every day. I would go on these calls every day for the first couple months and yeah, it was. I mean, all of a sudden you had a full-time yeah. job in a sense. And I mean, I, one of the first things I did was um, reach out to the principal of the kids' school because this was like mid-pandemic world and the kids were, this was still a time where they were home, you know, our public school system was um, on a week, off a week. So they were in school one week and then home the next week. Um, and I called the principal and said, um, here's what's going on at home. Can we get these kids in the quote-unquote green cohort, which has them in school every day? Um, and she was fantastic and accommodating. And so the kids were immediately back in school, and it was just a matter of talking to them <laughs> to explain how that was going to happen. Yeah, and at the time, our oldest was having a really hard school year, so that was tough. And, and I think... Um, yeah, explaining it to Brayden, what was going on. He was very aware. Um, so we had an honest conversation with Brayden about what I was going through. And um, he was going through his own emotional stuff. But he was also at the point, like I said, where he you know, could see what was going on, where he's like, how come we go to so-and-so's house and you just sit there with the parents and drink beers and wine all yeah. afternoon? Like, that's all you want to do is go drink beers. And it's like, oh, shit, this, our kid sees us. It's yeah. like just sitting and drinking all day. That's not okay. And then once we, I stopped drinking, he was like, well, why don't we hang out with so-and-so anymore? Why aren't we doing this anymore? You know, and it was a, a very drastic shift in our social lives. And we... Because, you know, even though it was in the middle of the pandemic, we were still hanging out with people outside and going and hanging around the fire pits and, and still doing that. We were, you know, with a few families. And so it was, that was a big shift for us. I'm going to go back to this. So you said before, and I just wrote a note here. It's like when we were drinking, it was very hard for you. Um, when you would talk to me and sit me down, you never understood why I couldn't just have one drink. You know, why can't? You just, you know, like have a drink, Kim. Just don't order a second. And it, for me, and I know a lot of people in my shoes, you know, feel the same way. And, and it kind of what's, what sets us apart from me, from you, is that like you never needed the, another drink. You would order a drink and not finish it, and which is, just blows my mind. And yeah, it's, but... it's, I, I know. And, and that's what was, so it's just like, I'm, I'm just stating the obvious. I'm just stating the truth here, and this is what we're just different. And um, it took a long time for you to understand the, and to not get mad at me, I think, about that, you know, that and to understand that this was just how it was for me. And I think you were a little resentful of me for a long time. It wasn't and, until sobriety that Right, that's I really what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, until you started to understand that it was completely out of my control. 
you make me sound like this guy who drinks half a beer and then that's it. I mean, obviously, no. I can sit down and have six drinks at dinner. Um, I don't really do that too often anymore. But the real difference to me was it's not like just one or two drinks. Like, we, we go to dinner with friends and I can have four drinks and not even feel it because we're there for more than an hour or something. But I never get to the blackout point. That's the real difference. Like, I start, eventually I eat food. And whenever I start eating a lot, I start to get full. And I just, like, naturally stop drinking. You just did never ate as much, and you would not stop drinking, which is why, I mean, you've written so much about it. You experience blackouts all the time. Like, I can count my blackouts probably on one hand my whole life, and most of them were in college. I can think of, like, two as an adult. Um, so that's the real difference. It's not just, like, stop at one. Because, I, I mean, I, I, when you and I go out to dinner now, yeah, I'll have, like, one drink. But if I'm in a social setting with friends or on the golf course with friends, like I more often than not have way more than one drink, but I just don't get that drunk. And I certainly never get to the blackout point. I think that's like the, your tendency to have too much and blackout is really, to me, like the biggest difference that I couldn't relate to because I just never experienced it. Yeah. I also think it took you a long time to realize that I couldn't really help it. And um, I was trying to control it. And, you know, there were times where it was just beyond my control. And it's not like I planned on getting blacked out all those times. Going back to last year, about this time, you know, I came to you and said that I needed your help and, you know, you stepped up and you were incredibly supportive and helpful. You went to the principal, helped with the kids, and um, I can't even explain how wonderful and helpful you were um, in understanding. And it was, when I, when I said that to you that morning, you know, I, I'm going to stop drinking. Was there any doubt in your mind? Like what in oh. that moment? Yeah. I, for whatever reason, just like it just sort of clicked for you and you just knew like that morning and you found the strength to say something like for whatever reason, I just knew too. like, I mean, maybe it's cause you had never come to me before. And that was the first time you asked for my help and you were sort of sobbing in tears. Like it was very clear that this is real. And I mean, I, it's been a year and never once have I worried like oh my god is she gonna relapse is she gonna like fall off and go have a drink tonight you know like that that's so far removed from reality it's never crossed my mind it's the opposite it's like when you used to go out with your girlfriends you used to always have to wonder like oh fuck it what time is she gonna come home and how blacked out is she gonna be what's she gonna do that she's not gonna remember um and so like yeah, I wanted you to be able to have fun with friends, but in my back of my mind, I was always like, what sort of damage is gonna come along with it? And now it's so nice for you to go out, go away. You know, you and Catherine went away for a weekend. You were just away, you know, a few weeks ago for your basically one year sober anniversary. It's so nice to be able to just be happy for you and not have to wonder in the back of my mind, like what is gonna happen on this trip that somebody's gonna call me that something, you know? Yeah. I can just genuinely be happy for you to have fun enjoy yourself and not have to have any worries so obviously one of the benefits is that our relationship has grown clearly he has we there was this strain on our 
marriage that we didn't even really realize was going on. You know, um, there was this like push and pull for many, many years um, that was really unhealthy, I think. And, you know, we argue and fight and and it was all it was always around out it was always came back to alcohol was the bottom line I think um and you know like I talked about last week said I try to do a little better to earn back my drinking privileges because I felt like I would get a little too out of hand and then I would stop drinking for a little while to be on good behavior for you you know and I, I felt like it, it it just wasn't a good healthy way to to live and to you know wasn't a healthy marriage do you agree yeah i mean i don't want to make it sound like we just had like the world's worst marriage no, before. We didn't. i mean we i you know i always felt like we were pretty good communicators um but whenever alcohol got in the mix obviously that just went out the window and you know part of the problem is i've always had a job that was demanding in the way that you know, I would leave relatively early in the morning and I'd get home like oftentimes after the kid's bedtime. And so it's like, you know, when something happened over a weekend or a Sunday night because it was a boozy Sunday afternoon and you maybe didn't remember going to bed the night before, it's like come Monday morning, you know, we're trying to get up and out of the house and I you know you hated these conversations. It's like, do you remember what happened last night? Oh, I hate that. It's like and, that tone no, I know. right there. But like there the, it thing, is. the thing was, it's like, I got a busy Monday. I got to get to work. I can't like sit down and like have the conversation. So it's like you get pissed off. I got to rush out the door. And then by the time I get home and it's nine o'clock at night, like you've already had a couple glasses of wine. And so, you know, that we're not going to like sit down and like have that resolution. And I would have those couple glasses of wine because I was still dealing with the shame from the night before or the shame and the awful self-loathing and the terrible feelings that I woke up with from that morning, which you never realized I was feeling. No, yeah, no. But don't you think that when you remove the alcohol, like on a random day, like I feel like we've always been pretty good communicators. Yeah, yeah. But by, I think that by the end for me, alcohol was such a huge presence for me and it was just so pervasive and it was just taking over. That's what's, you know, the most yeah but i you know it was really the pandemic brought it all to a head um in large part too because kids sports were canceled for large sections of time so it's like the stuff that would keep us occupied on the weekend all of a sudden we didn't have it you couldn't go anywhere else so there was nothing to do but what felt like sit around and drink and so um you know i i you know, we've been married, what, like 13 years? It's not like this was 13 years of it. It was really just in the past few years where I feel like it started to come to a head. Yeah. You wanted me to get vulnerable. What are those questions you got right I mean, this is too? all pretty... <laughs> this is all pretty much... We've covered it all. Like, I, you know, any patterns that frustra- frustrated you when I was drinking or um, specific incidences. But we don't need to, like, really get into the past. I mean, there's... No, but the, you know, the only things, uh, I kind of said, it, it, the things that really started to get to me where it's like, all right, we, like, I got to say something or we got to, something's got to change. It was really just once the, the kids got old enough yeah. that if this wasn't just me and you, like we're trying to raise these young people and yeah. So what else is on that page there? <laughs> um, no, we answered, we've talked about it all. 
Oh, what advice would you give to any other spouses that are, um, you know, supporting somebody that's in recovery? Do you have any, uh, like, little pieces of advice, words of advice? Not really. I mean, this whole notion of, like, oh, you're so supportive. Like, so many people have reached out to me, like, especially since you put it out there on your Kim Kearns account and not your sober mom account and... A lot of people who didn't know anything before all of a sudden sort of have discovered what's been going on for the past year and where you're at now. Um, people have reached out to me like, oh, you're such a great husband. And to, like, you know, thanks, I guess. But like, I don't really feel like I've done anything all that special, like other than do what I'm supposed to do, really. <laughs> It's just that it's thanks for sticking by me. <laughs> thanks for not I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, I, what else would I do? Be like, no, I'm not supportive. You need to keep drinking and learn how to moderate. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I think because you don't rely on alcohol the way I did, I think that you, when I said, so I asked, okay, so this is actually a part of it. I said to you, will you stop drinking with me for a little while? I really needed you to stop with me mm. in the beginning, and you did. Do you remember that? Yeah, I so mean, that, I forgot right. about I, that. So, I mean, I think for some people who's, you know, if you were someone who also really liked to drink a lot, and, and I, I know this from my own support meetings in the beginning, some women had a really hard time stopping because their husbands also drank the same amount that they did. So, so you know, I this is so that's right. the difference. But this is an important point because. If life were normal, I think that would have been much harder for me to do. It's really, this is like one of those weird situations where the pandemic made it easier not to drink. Yeah, so me. Evan stopped drinking for, what, three months with me? It may have been closer to like six. I think it was. Yeah. I don't And. So you asked me not to drink yeah. with you. And I said, yes, absolutely. And that, so. You didn't bat an eye. You, you didn't hesitate. You are like, 100%. We poured out all that morning. Poured out every sip of alcohol in the house, every drop of vodka, like every little sip of beer. We got rid of everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm the one that poured it out. Yeah. I think you were sitting there watching me pour yeah. it out. Um, it's easy for me because I'm very much a social drinker when I'm with out with you or out with friends. Like the drinks are sort of flowing and I'll... You know, I, I don't chug and I don't get wasted, but I just sort of casually will sip on something kind of all night long. Um, but I never, and you know this, like I never drank during the week. Like, right. I, I, You wouldn't come home from work and like pour yourself a whatever, stiff cocktail or no, something. You no. wouldn't even have a beer while watching like hockey game or something. No, because I normally would go back to working on my computer once yeah. everybody was in bed. Um, so I just never drank during the week and it was more like a work hard during the week, play hard on the weekends. And when you would like, when obviously with your decision for, you know, to pursue a life of sobriety and, you know, that sort of changed our relationship with some friends at the time. I mean, in particular in a pandemic when we weren't doing anything other than going over and drinking with friends, like when you cut that out, because obviously we needed, we wanted to remove alcohol on the weekends. Um, it made it very easy for me to not drink, right? Because I wasn't around it. So during the week, I'm home alone. On weekends, um, you know, we were just doing family stuff. And I didn't, you know, the play hard vibe isn't quite the same when it's just you and the family playing a board game and watching yeah. a movie, you know? Yeah. 
thankfully, you did not have a hard time stopping. You have since started drinking again because I'm fine with it, but I really did need that in the beginning for me. You know, for other people out there who might not have that kind of support, you know, what would you say? Um, I think you it's easiest if you remove yourself from social situations where there's the pressure to do it. Yeah, I think that's what was the easiest for us is that we um, chose not to go to certain events and the things that we did go to and the people we did hang out with. Um, we knew it was a safe environment and we could trust the people we were with and and... I mean, you went to people straight away and asked for their help. And yeah. so those are the people, you know, we hung out with. And yeah. they knew everything that was going and on. And they were really understanding and really um, supportive, you know. But that that's the first day I stopped drinking. I called a handful of people, kind of like had my own little like army of <laughs> sober support friends, people that knew me well, people that still drank, but that were on my side and there to that I could call. Um, Do you remember though how then it came full circle that like when we would, so once, you know, you came to me and you were like, you know, probably four or six months later, you're like, let's look, if you want to have a drink, I want you to have a drink. I don't want you to like not order a drink because of me anymore. And then after that point, as soon as we saw friends again or were out, like people were always hesitant to get yeah. a drink. I mean, even today, there's still some people that are yeah. hesitant to order a drink or like they're, they're sort of like looking for one of us to be like, it's okay to do whatever you want. Yeah. You don't have to change your habits because Kim doesn't drink anymore, you know? Yeah. There's always going to be people that are uncomfortable. Okay. So I have one last question for you. Um, is there anything different about our lives now that you miss? And what are the positives? Um, yeah, I miss when you used to get crazy drunk and have wild sex. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, yeah no there there's definitely things that I miss Um, you know I think when you obviously you know made this life-altering decision to choose a path of sobriety the biggest immediate impact was a change on our social lives and our relationships um, with certain friends you know it's like we um, we've been living in a community for a long period of time we belong to a club where we have a lot of friends and we just have so many close friends and not just like you know you're friends with the wife or I'm friends with the husband but like I feel like we have a lot of family friends you know like we're friends I love the wife just as much as I love the husband and our kids are friends like we had really good family friends and we still have those but relationships definitely change when you know, reflecting back, a lot of the time was spent just drinking. And um, it's not like we didn't have anything in common but drinking. But, you know, I think um, for whatever reasons, we just don't hang out with the same people to the same extent, you know. And um, still love all those people just as much. And, you know, I don't know if it's not, you know, us not reaching out and forcing those interactions or people not reaching out to us as much. But... I think it's a, it also just has to do with our kids' schedules and, um, you know, thinking about this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I left the house at 9 a.m. for one kid's hockey game, transitioned to another kid's hockey game, and then traveling, and I didn't get home until 6, 7 o'clock at night, um, 
you know, and so there wasn't even time to really do much of anything anyways. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I, I miss some of that social stuff. It's not like we don't go out, um, but certainly to a different extent than we used to. Do you think? Yeah, I do. Um, I think our going out looks very different now. And I used to like to stay out late and sleep in really late. And now I like to get up at 5 a.m. and go to bed early. So that's really a, a different schedule now you know I used to sleep in on the weekends and I don't do that anymore so I like to I like my mornings so we don't stay out late when we do go out on Saturday nights you know we'll we won't be the last to leave like we used to we'll be one of the first ones to leave yeah no you're right I think one of the other things that has been hard in this um, and less so for me more as a supporter is there's such a stigma associated with sobriety and, you know, not drinking alcohol. And, you know, for you, like going through this journey, it is so much a part of your being and what you're experiencing on an everyday basis. Like I, you tell me, I haven't ever asked you this, but you probably don't go more than like a couple hours without thinking about it. Right. I mean, whether it's your writing or your podcast or conversations or emails, I yeah, mean, I mean, not necessarily, yeah, probably, but, yeah. It's, it's it's changed your entire life, obviously. Yes, it has changed my entire life, and it's changed the way I approach my day, and the way I approach dealing with people, and the way I interact with other people, and the way I... Um... But I think one of the reasons why um, some of our relationships have changed... And I don't like point the finger at other people, but I just think people naturally are sort of like, mm, I don't know, am I supposed to talk about that? Do I not talk about that? It's like, well, yeah, kind of me wrong. being sober makes people uncomfortable, partly because it disrupts the synergy, you know? It makes everybody a little... You know, I had a role in in our group of friends, and, and I no longer play that role, so it's nobody knows what to do with me at times. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that a lot of what comes out of everything you're doing is to sort of help break that stigma. And I wish maybe listen to this podcast. People will hear like you love to talk about it. You love to engage in the topic, and you did the opposite of shying away. Like you know, I think about when my brother and his family came to visit over the summer. They were here for two and a half, three days. It was like a long weekend, and. You know, my brother would talk to me, like everybody would go to bed and two of us would be up at night and we'd talk about it and be like, dude, I know you love my wife, you love Kim, but like it's almost becoming disrespectful if you're going to spend two days with her and not ask her how she's doing it. But, you know, he, you put yourself in those people's shoes, like they're coming from a good, you know, good perspective, good thoughts, like they want nothing but the best and they don't want to make you uncomfortable. But it's like, how do you get people to understand that it's not taboo, it's not off limits, it's not uncomfortable it's almost the opposite. It's like almost disrespectful if you don't acknowledge everything you're going through, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it makes people, I think it comes down to the fact that it makes other people uncomfortable. Some people, not everybody, um, uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't like talking about their feelings. You and I like talking about our feelings. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you are a sensitive guy. Admit it. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are really good about 
telling me how you feel and talking. You listen. You're a good listener. You're a good talker. Um, not everybody's like that. And that is one thing that sobriety has done for me is that it allowed it has allowed me to finally start feeling again because I, I just didn't allow myself to feel for a very long time. I just hid from those feelings with alcohol and avoided a lot. And so Evan and I really do talk a lot and work through things. And I, and I believe that, um, you know, a lot of people sometimes on Saturday nights don't want to sit there and have heavy conversations like you and I do, um, you know, and that's, sobriety and me not drinking is a little bit of a heavy topic and not everybody wants to to bring that up and some people just want to shoot the shit and have laid back conversations and that's just too much so yeah. you know it is what it is no i get that too <sighs> um but that so you asked me about sort of the the things i miss or the negatives i mean i also think there's so many obviously so many positives that have come out of it and the thing that's been amazing to me, and we've talked about this, but I don't know how much you put it out there publicly, is the number of people that you've touched. Like, you start on this journey, obviously, solely focused on yourself. And I don't mean that, like, selfishly, but, like, I want to better myself for me and my life and my kids and my husband and my family, right? It was focused internally on you to, you know, help repair yourself. And you never did it thinking about, like, I want to impact other people. But the byproduct of this, and it's become like so powerful for other people in a way that certainly has blown me away, right? I think about, you know, when you started your blog and your writing and, you know, just putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable way, you know, because I started reading these blogs, like, I think you may have written two before you even told me about it, and then you shared it with me. But, you know, you wrote many, many blog entries before you made it public, right? It wasn't like something you were doing and going through rot in the public at the time. Um, but once you sort of put it out there, I mean, it, it sort of happened by accident because you created that sobriety Instagram account not realizing that, <laughs> that, it, was that it was public and people would see it. And not everybody saw it, but there were people, certainly people in Needham and the surrounding community that saw it. And you're like, oh my God, so-and-so is following me. Because you, you, your name wasn't tied to it. So well, I think didn't. it was for like a day. I didn't realize it. But, but then it was fine. And then like I slowly started getting more comfortable with putting you know, myself out there. And, and that's what I needed. And it was a slow, slow journey of getting more vulnerable and sharing my story. And that's what it's been all about. And I've slowly been helping and reaching other people. Yeah, and the thing that's been most fascinating to me, and I'm still fascinated on like a daily basis by it, is like, okay, it makes sense that if there's people that can relate to something you're saying, that it resonates with them, and you know, everybody experiences and has different relationships with alcohol, but like, okay, some people, you know, clearly have similarities, and so they, you know, have self-reflections because of what you're going through. That isn't surprising to me at all. What's been most surprising is, um, some of who those people are right like you you're thinking about sober moms right but there's way more than just moms out there right people in the community that have come forward to you that you're like holy crap i thought this guy was coming to talk to me about our son playing on the sports team and instead you know he yeah. just totally connected with what i was writing and you know was some going through some of stuff it's like yeah. oh my god this is like a grown man not yeah. another woman with young kids who's going through sort of mommy wine culture 
um, you know, we talked to somebody else, or I didn't, you did, who is um, a woman who has read everything on your blog, whose husband is sober, right? And her, through the supporter lens, right? Her husband maybe isn't as communicative and has gone through it on his own internally for several years. And she's like, oh my God, through your writing, I'm able to see and have a glimpse into what he's been going through. And it's been therapeutic for me because he doesn't necessarily talk to me as openly. And I feel like I finally can sort of understand. And it's like, oh my God, there's this whole world of supporters that you're helping that never would have crossed your mind, you know? Yeah. I, I Yeah, it's mind-blowing. I didn't know that I could do that. And it's... I said from the beginning, if I could just reach one person, because I struggled so much in the beginning to connect with somebody, and and to I was so I felt so alone in the beginning of my sober journey. So I, um, I you know, I said that if 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 I could help one person with with what I'm writing, then it's worth putting myself out there and feeling this vulnerability. So I never ever in my wildest dreams thought that I would be reaching this many people so it's worth it and um it just seems like every day you're learning of a, a new sort of demographic that you're helping yeah. that it, you know never occurred to you and yeah. it's just been so awesome from my perspective because um you know you were a teacher before we had kids and you know you loved it but it wasn't like a passion like I was born to be a teacher and that's why I'm on this planet and clearly when we had Braden our oldest you stopped teaching right away and you, you know, some people always want to go back to teaching. You were never like, I can't wait to be a teacher again once the kids are older, right? You never right. talked about it. But now all of a sudden this newfound passion that, um, you know, it, not just sort of write sobriety, but like yeah, your writing, writing, your love of writing. You yeah. were a creative writing minor. You were always a good writer. And now all of a sudden, like the words are just pouring off the page for you. Um, it's so great to see. I feel like my spouse has a full-time job <laughs> again. Um, and it's awesome, and I'm really proud of you. And it's good uh, when you find something that you love, when you find joy, purpose. Yeah, and you know, um, you say that I'm like this supportive spouse, and but I don't always just say like everything you're doing is awesome. Like I definitely gave you some tough love about this podcast early on yeah. that you didn't love because you wanted me to just give you a thumbs up and be like, keep doing what you're doing, you're rocking it. Well, we'll see how it, the feedback we get from. This episode with you on it, so we'll see <laughs> how that goes. I I think you'll get there. I'm just trying to help be constructive, and instead of just saying keep doing what you're doing, I'm trying to give you ideas to give it some structure and hopefully help it help more people. But you guys we keep doing want, what you're doing. I'm yeah, proud of you. Thank you. We just want to help people, so that's what it's all about. So thanks for listening, and if you have any questions for Evan, send us an email um, and follow us on the Weekend Sober on Instagram. Bring it on. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye.